And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Tyler Grant. Always a great time talking to Tyler. Uh, we covered all the latest coming out of Afghanistan. Uh, we talked about the uh, authoritarian nightmare happening right now in, in Australia and how to prevent uh, the American left from achieving their fascist goals here. Uh, we covered a lot. I think you guys will like it. Before we get to Tyler, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Google Play, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe. And if you are on iTunes, please take literally five seconds uh, to leave a, a, a good review and a five-star rating there. It helps us out, helps us move up the charts and all of that. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Tyler Grant. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Tyler Grant. Tyler, how you been, man? Good, good. Busy just trying to make sure that our country stays afloat in line of the uh, the Biden administration running running absolutely reckless. How, how optimistic are you feeling right now about that? I feel <laughs> as though every time I go to the grocery store and milk creeps up 50 cents every time, I feel less and less optimistic. On a brighter note, the uh, what is this, the fourth or fifth annual No Gimmicks Podcast Fantasy Football league draft is tonight at 8 p.m. and you are drafting number one overall so congrats on uh getting christian mccaffrey this year thank you yeah well i'm actually i'm debating that we're going to go to the board uh the big board at, at a certain point tonight but i i'm thinking tim tebow actually might be my <laughs> choice i think he's uh you know he's un, he's, un, he's he's untested he got he got one one blocking experience but was actually at the game uh and watched that block in person and it was that was uh that was that was something it was rough, but you know what? With with guys like Tim, you know it's it's the diamond in the rough kind of model. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a big season. I will say about Tim Tebow, uh, he got like sarcastically jacked for his bid to try to make a team as a tight end. I mean, like that dude's arms are like irresponsibly large right now. I mean, like he looks like a cartoon. He's a humongous person. <laughs> I was I was sitting like kind of. Probably 50 yard line, maybe 30 rows up, and from that distance, he looked like a monster amongst <laughs> mere boys. And yeah. he was standing amongst NFL players. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like him. He was standing next to Trevor Lawrence at one point. Who you know, figure guys, he's like the you know quarterback of the Jags, Clemson guy, um, and you know he's kind of a tall, lanky guy. And Tim Tebow's arms looked kind of about the size of that dude's head. It yeah, was dude. bizarre. Ridiculous. So. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, hey, I'm uh, I, I'm drafting number two overall, so if you want to pass on uh, McCaffrey, that'd be great. But I'm I'm, I'm good with Dalvin Cook, though. <laughs> he was a monster last year. I'm good with Dalvin Cook. I'm good with Yeah, Dalvin. I always uh my my typical my typical instincts of uh of drafting are are definitely gonna be tested because I'm always, you know, running back or, or big right wide receiver and then Tom Brady and then I go from there. 
but I, I just don't know. I don't. I think he, I think Tom Brady got his one one good season. I think it's I think it's going to be over this year. Really? I I mean I hope that's true, but I I think that's almost certainly not true. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I am done doubting Tom Brady. Yeah, he could probably pull this off for another five years if he wanted to. And I'm being like completely serious, by the way. I mean, he was like I, he looked as good as ever last year somehow. I think he gets the. Uh, I love Tom Brady. I love Tom. He's he's living the American dream. Beautiful wife, beautiful kids, makes millions of dollars. Great looking fellow, living in multiple places. Gets drunk, throws the. You know the 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 Lombardi <laughs> Trophy around like I mean that boat that is the boat, American yeah. dream if there ever was one yeah boat to boat I mean come on that's the American dream if there ever was one but I mean I think he gets like a nice little like uh, he he gets he gets charitable treatment in the pocket I think you know like guys like uh, you know Cam Newton and some of the young the young guys when they first started out I mean those guys would get sacked and you know stepped on pushed tripped you know everything I mean. And he gets sort of the Tom Brady treatment where if he gets kind of bumped, someone like, a, you know, a, a defensive end will apologize to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they'll like lift him up. Sorry about that, Tom. <laughs> you know, oh, dude, I know. Like, I mean, I'm a yeah, Steelers so. fan. So, I, I mean, there's been a million of these playoff games between the Steelers and the Patriots over the last couple decades. We're like, you know, you can't touch Tom Brady, but they'll just let guys just tee off on Big Ben. <laughs> you know, it was like it was completely ridiculous. We're just screaming and yelling at the TV. We're like, "Are you are you serious right now?" But I, I mean, saw it, there was one time I remember a, a Big Ben hit where a a defensive tackle hit him so hard it knocked over the guard that was doing like a pull, and Big Ben kind of stumbled and like was able to stay up. And I was like, dude. If that was, you know, one of those like little thin guys, you know, what was that guy's name? Like, like is the quarterback for the Browns? Um, uh, Baker. But yeah, Baker. That that dude would have flown like twenty five feet. Oh yeah. And they'd have blown like three whistles and maybe even tossed that guy for like some crazy penalty or something. But it was just like Big Ben kind of stood up and was like, "Wow, that that sucked a lot." And they, uh, it was, no, oh, just play on, play on. So. <laughs> the refs will protect him a little bit now because he's like almost forty. So like, all right, we can't let these dudes kill him anymore. But yeah, like guys like can't. It's like any big, like big strong quarterback. They just for some reason don't protect as much as like the smaller guys. I don't know. It's ridiculous. One of the many problems I have with the NFL. But unfortunately, we have to talk about Afghanistan. Um, been real rough covering this the last couple weeks um, because every day when you think the crisis in Afghanistan has hit rock bottom, you wake up the next day and learn that it has gotten worse. Um, I mean, we're having Americans beaten outside the Kabul airport. There's still roughly 10,000 Americans behind enemy lines. Um, the Taliban are going door to door, killing Christians um, and also killing any Afghan who assisted the United States. I mean, what a disaster, man. I mean, this administration has no plan. Um, the leadership of the federal government and the military are completely inept. The president has Alzheimer's. I mean, Tyler, man, I, I, don't, know. I, don't, I don't think anybody could have predicted that this would have been managed this poorly, you know, from... Any any perspective, I mean, libertarians like me who think we should have pulled out of Afghanistan a decade ago to the neoconservatives who want to leave troops in all of these countries in the Middle East indefinitely, like whatever perspective you're coming from, I don't think anybody could have predicted that our government and military were capable of botching something this badly. So it's funny because I think Trump and a lot of the establishment that's been paying attention to the you know to Joe Biden for decades and has seen... I mean, he's been around for what, like a fifth of the country's history. Yeah. Uh, the in actually in government and affecting government, people have seen he has been wrong on every foreign policy issue for 
decades, yeah. decades of service where he has been wrong, period, end of story. People pointed this out during the election. And I mean, this is a, this is the same kind of um, group of people that had the mindset that laughed at Romney when he was when he floated the fact that Russia was a big threat to you know our national security. And Biden laughed at him and said, you know, what, what was it like the the USSR once it's uh, once it's foreign policy back or whatever it was. Yeah, the I 1980s mean, called and they want the foreign policy back. Yeah, like the, these people, they don't understand how the world works. It's a bunch of academics that have pulled together with the, you know, the D.C. liberal elites. And they've gone and tried to apply these like little silly theories um, on a national scale. I mean, these are the people that wanted to bribe Iran not to nuke us. Like, come on. Like, what what are we what are we really talking about? And now they've ceded, you know, millions of dollars of weaponry to the Taliban. Tens of billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and we're and we're supposed to we're supposed to trust these people. I mean, they they can't they also can't get their story straight. You, you got Joe Biden saying, "No, I don't trust the Taliban," while the spokesman for the Pentagon saying, "Oh yeah, you know we had we have good faith that they're going to honor their word about letting people through their checkpoints with American passports." And we've seen that to be demonstrably not true with them tearing up people's travel documents and and preventing people from getting to the airport and all this kind of stuff. And and this isn't surprising to people who are adults who pay attention to how these kind of organizations operate, like. You don't fight a war against somebody in the Middle East and then do an organized or an, a, a wildly disorganized retreat and expect them to honor, you know, all the different rules of engagement and human rights, et cetera. I mean, we've we had to, you know, express our will in the Middle East to get it done. And we didn't we still didn't get it done after 20 years, period. The Taliban is now saying that they will not extend the August 31st deadline for the U.S. to leave Kabul. That's just over seven days from now, Kabul, I think it's 12 hours ahead of us here in Eastern time. So you're talking, you know, seven and a half days from now, a little less. Um, I mean, that means unless Biden grows some balls and starts ordering the army to guard, you know, to start going out into the streets, finding and evacuating American citizens. If he doesn't do that, which it looks like he's not going to, a lot of people are going to be left behind. I mean, we're talking American citizens and our Afghan allies, obviously. Um, and then we haven't even gotten to the hostage part of this yet. And it's coming. I mean, the, the botched evacuation was like Saigon in 1975, but with way more innocent people dying. And the impending hostage crisis um, is going to look a lot like the Iranian hostage crisis in 1979-1980 with potentially 200 times the number of American citizens being held hostage by terrorists. So, I mean, we're at the point right now where we don't even know how bad this is going to get. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's it's horrible. I mean, the the fact is, when you make an organized retreat, which is what this was, and you execute it in the most disorganized, middle-of-the-night fashion, without any sort of vision that our armed forces knew exactly what was going on or how it was going on or why the speed of it was happening at the rate that it was, you're going to have massive, massive problems. I mean, think about the fact that the Taliban retook Afghanistan in a week. Like, a, you know, and, and, and Joe Biden goes on the on the news and blames the the Afghan people. And they, they have to kind of look at that and say, well, which team are we really going to support and help now? And also, we got to think about the fact that we taught them how to fight in a modern warfare context with air support and all the different U.S. Um, you know, military assets that we have. And instead, we're just abandoning them and saying, actually, keep keep fighting the war that we were with you yesterday, we're not with you today, and we you had no reason to believe that we were not going to be with you today. 
It's just it's it's deeply irresponsible. I'm old enough to remember that, uh, you know, a a phone conversation with the Ukrainian uh, president that said, "Hey, we'd love you to take a look at this. Also, we're going to sell you some some weapons, etc." was enough for impeachment. Now we're in a situation where Joe Biden has allowed tens of thousands or countless Afghanistan uh, citizens who helped us to be potentially slaughtered, as well as leaving American citizens stranded without notice in a hostile country. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fine. I, I'm, I look forward to the New Yorker piece that just talks about how actually we learn a lot from retreats and, you know, citing some sort of famous like progressive in the past and how that was like a symbol for American unity in time of crisis in Afghanistan and, and tying it back to like blaming Bush and the rise of white supremacy in the United States. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how the press is going to spin this. I mean, they're, they're starting to pivot. You know, a, a lot of these people, even guys like CNN and MSNBC had to criticize Biden a little bit um, for all of this, but now they're, they're, they're trying to spin. They're taking what the white house is saying and trying to spin it into a positive light. I, I just don't, I don't know, man. I mean, once you see images of American citizens being held hostage um, by the Taliban, that I I can't see how the press could spin it anymore. But look, I'm at the point now where I, I just don't think it's safe for the country um, for Joe Biden to remain in power. I mean, it, it's just not safe. It's uh, just practically speaking. I mean, he's done a couple of speeches in the in the last week, reading from a teleprompter. Um, on Friday, he finally answered a couple questions from the press, but there were pre-screened questions. He had a list of of journalists to call on, and obviously he knew what they were going to ask in advance. Um, but he, the man can't think. I mean, his brain is no longer functioning. He can barely speak. Um, he really, he can't really read. I mean, he's just getting his butt whipped by the teleprompter um, anytime he attempts to to give one of these speeches. It, it's, it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute here, man. I'm not, I'm not like this isn't a joke. It, it's painful to watch. Um, I mean, every Republican congressman needs to immediately sponsor articles of impeachment. Impeachment. The cabinet really needs to consider invoking the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Um, I mean, look, and I, I think Kamala Harris is an idiot. I think she's awful, a, a cynical, corrupt leftist politician, one of the worst politicians in this country. Um, but she's at least sentient. You know what I mean? Like we can't, we can't do this. We, it, it's been, it's been fun. It, you know, put a brain dead man, you know, in, in the white house. It's been a fun experiment, but it, look, at least Harris can, can do risk analysis. At least Harris could, is, is capable of critical thinking. Joe Biden is getting people killed. Needs to go. Oh yeah, but she doesn't. She doesn't want it, man. I, I've I've uh, I've told told this to many people. It's going to be two years and a day. Twenty fifth Amendment will be something that people talk about a lot, and you'll see all of a sudden there'll be just this onslaught of every single article. Biden's got to go. He's unfit or he's sick or something like that. That because that's when she can serve for ten years rather than serving for just two terms. So. That's that's when you're going to start seeing that. It's just it's happening too early. She's she's not ready. She doesn't want any part of the presidency right now because she doesn't want to have she wants to have that sweet, sweet power for two and a half terms. She doesn't want it for just, you know, you know, seven years. She wants it for the full. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, man. I hadn't even considered that. That's a no. no, She's the most power hungry person to to hold elected office in a long, long time. And look, here's the thing about about the the initial point, which is where, you know, where I think we're really headed with this, which is that, 
it is it is truly alarming that we were told as the American people, oh no no, these guys that get elected, this is gonna be the return to decency, normalcy. We're gonna whip the coronavirus. We're gonna be the adults are back in you know the office. I, I don't remember who wrote that, but it was like the adults are gonna be back in office and all this like <laughs> all this nonsense. And the opposite has turned out to be true. Coronavirus, according to you know however you read you know coronavirus data, is worse than it's ever been. We're we're gonna have the Delta Plus variant. We're gonna have you know the JetBlue variant soon. We're gonna have all these different things, and. Inflation's at an all-time high. Businesses are very unclear about how they want to extend credit based upon yeah. the, the the gates to entry are so like confused whether or not they're going to be open, closed, whether the feds are going to come in and prevent states from doing you know different discretionary action or spending money or mask mandates and all this nonsense. And if it goes the way of you know any number of countries in Europe or you know our west the Western world, I mean, who knows? Because Half of the country is vaccinated and we're still being told, actually, that's not going to be enough. We're going to be taking boosters. We're going to have vaccine passports, all these different things. And people are looking at this like, how am I supposed to make business decisions to go into the future to, to have an actual life and to, to do different things? And the Biden administration is not only out to lunch. I'm not even is he even back from vacation yet? I don't think so. So, yeah, that's where we're at, man. Yeah. I mean, it's and look, I, I had a grandmother who passed away a few years ago and uh, she had dementia. And look, I, she, Joe, I, I see exactly what we saw for the last six months or so of her life in Joe Biden. I mean, it's the exact same. Um, and, and for people that ha have never been around an elderly family member who is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or, or one of these cognitive impairments, they have good days and bad days. Right. And like. So my grandmother, sometimes she would remember everything fine. Sometimes she'd forget people's names. She'd forget extremely important things about her own life. Um, she would, you know, she showed up one day but before uh, uh, we took her car from her. And then with a, her car all banged up and she can remember how it got that way. And and then someday she'd be completely fine and pleasant and, and everything. Uh, and th that's what you're seeing from Joe Biden. Like, for instance, after he he pulled the troops out of Afghanistan and everything, you know, went up in flames over there. Boris Johnson, the prime minister of England, was, was trying to contact him for 36 hours, repeatedly calling the White House for 36 hours. This is the prime minister of our closest ally, and Biden wouldn't call him back. He didn't call him back because he couldn't, because he couldn't speak that day. I mean, these people that are suffering from Alzheimer's or, or, or dementia, they have days where they're sentient, days where they can communicate, and days where they are not capable. And that is what you're seeing from Joe Biden. He didn't call Boris back because he couldn't. He could not. His handlers, Klain and, and the rest of these clowns, they knew he couldn't do it. So he waited until, <laughs> until the meds kicked in, and then, okay, fine, maybe you can have a five-minute conversation with another world leader. Like, that. this is not say—look, if we had a Jeffersonian republic where we had essentially legislative— dominance over the federal government the way it was supposed to be and and the president we didn't have this imperial presidency that could do whatever he wanted and in terms of foreign policy unchecked if, if we had a, a limited government the way the founders wanted it wouldn't really matter if we had a mentally handicapped president because the president shouldn't have this amount of power but that's not the world we're living in and it's just not safe it's not safe for our troops it's not safe for these american citizens stuck overseas it is not safe for our allies. It's not. It's just not. It's not responsible for this man to be president of the United States. 
It's also pe- people need to remember too, and 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 you make a ton of really good points that I think are wildly applicable to the way that the world is working now. But even further, people don't realize the amount of our enemies don't sleep. Yeah. They keep moving and progressing into the soft and hard power yeah. of every different government in every different region of the planet at all times. And so when you have a president who has a team that is asleep at the wheel or that is having to administer to a president that is incapable of administering the office of the presidency, the foreign policy of the 1790s was by, you know, mail. This is by instantaneous cyber attacks, actual financial moves that can decimate a country overnight, whether or not, you know, we, we are, we are asleep or ready to go at all. And I think that when you're looking at a Biden administration that number one, doesn't consider China an enemy from anything that you can really tell other than being like, Oh, I know Xi Jinping and Xi Jinping's like, like, give me a break. He, he has no idea how that operates. This is a left, this is a, a, a leftist group that while coronavirus was surging and Trump was saying, all right, guys, like I'm going to need to shut down some things and shut off travel was calling him xenophobic and was rushing down to Chinatown and be like, we're standing with our Asian allies. Like <laughs> what? Like they, they're not serious. They're not serious no. people. They don't, they don't view the threats that are serious threats to be serious. Like they're, they're comfortable with like calling Vladimir Putin, you know, a bad person because all of their money is tied up in China and like, right. you know, but they're not willing. So they're not willing to do that. Like, you know, Russia hasn't produced a, a quality good in, in decades. You know, I guess, you know, maybe their natural gas might be of some worth, but you know, who knows if Nancy Pelosi's invested in that or not. But the fact is, we have got to stay focused on the actual prize. And the fact that Joe Biden can't or won't, it should be very, very alarming, whether it's, you know, it's Alzheimer's or dementia or, or whether he's just indifferent. Like people need to be focused on that because we were told credibly by every scholar, every academic, every person on on the news that the adults are back in town. I guess the adults are back in town, but the adults have no concept of what the Chinese are doing. And the fact that we're at where we're at as the American people at this point, I mean, when we get a conservative in the White House and they kind of unpack everything that's happened in the admin laws and, and everything that's been going on in the White House in the past four years, it's going to be alarming to find out what we find out at that point. And that's the only time we're going to find out. I mean, the next time there is a, a conservative in the White House, I mean, it, it's just damage control, man. I mean, look at the damage that Joe Biden's done to the economy, um, to the institutions. I mean, just look at the damage done. It's only been eight months. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's only been eight months. I mean, it, I don't know if we can handle another, you know, th- almost three and a half years of this. I mean, the, the damage done it, to our standing in the world, to the U.S. economy, man, I mean, this is, it's going to be just damage control next time we get somebody good in there. But uh, changing gears here, I, we do need to mention Australia. I mean, some of the videos coming out of Australia are absolutely bananas. Uh, and honestly, if you want to see the Democratic Party's goals re- regarding COVID, look no further than Australia. The country is, I mean, it's literally a, a fascist prison state at this point. I mean, anybody who leaves their home is arrested. Um, people are being beaten and pepper sprayed, including children, for the crime of leaving their home. I mean, cops are shooting service dogs. They're, they're, they're going around shooting service dogs because disabled people can't get around as easily without their dogs. So for their own good, to try to force them to stay home, they're shooting the dogs. And the Melbourne government last night gave uh, the cops the authority to literally bar people 
inside of their apartment buildings, just like the Chinese Communist Party did in Wuhan uh, last year. So, I mean, like, Australia is a failed state. I mean, it's, it's like a Nazi-esque dystopian nightmare. And the press here in the United States, are, they're, they're praising the Australian government. I mean, that is what the left wants here. They love it. They love telling people what to do. They love seeing cops beating people who want freedom, who are, are protesting for their own freedom. They love that. And if we don't stop them, if we do not stop the left and the press in this country, that will happen here in short order. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually kind of wild. Like, we went from being a freedom-loving people to a people that put the weirdest virtue on things that 15 years ago would be viewed as utterly bizarre. I mean, I get, you see people, like, talking about the mask wearing and, and the vaccination and, and sort of creating sort of a, a lot of daylight between themselves and the unvaccinated and, and whatever. And it's really cute because it's always, like, it always tries to make it out to be like the, you know, uh, some sort of Southern bumpkin Trump supporter is the person that's just not wearing a mask and is unvaccinated when really like the stats are playing out to not be, you know, it, it not being <laughs> as clean as, as they would like it to be, which is, you know, always kind of laughable when you, when you look at how the, uh, how the left operates. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at like Nancy Pelosi, she had a fundraiser a couple days ago and there's a bunch of people that are, you know, without masks, all dining at these massive tables and they're all, you know, in a, at a fundraiser, they're all probably super duper wealthy. And then you have the service people that are all masked up. I mean, these are images that conservatives have to look at and say, OK, so really what this is, is, you know, it doesn't spread at rich people gatherings. It doesn't spread in like the halls of Congress. You, like, you can tell right before they go on the, the these like little press junkets, they're putting on their mask to come out <laughs> and then take their masks off. Like, yeah, we, we see it. We understand it. Like we you hear more and more often, you know, being in New York, seeing people in L.A., hearing from people in L.A. that are going to these rich people parties like this stuff never stopped for those people. No, it only stopped for the average. You know, you had a mom and pop pizza place, you know, in, in, in uh, you know, some neighborhood in LA that didn't service rich people. Or if you had like a mom and pop business in New York city, like the music stopped for those people, the music didn't stop for the people like Nancy Pelosi or, or rich, like famous people. Like those people weren't sitting at home, you know, making bread and watching tiger King. Like those people were having normal lives just amongst themselves and keeping it private and off Instagram. And the fact that these guys want to now make it this crazy state where it's like, well, we don't want to spread all these different, you know, variants and all this stuff. There is not a lot of consensus from the scientific community on a lot of this. And when it does happen, the politics of it split all of these messages or at least bifurcate them and sometimes trifurcate them where people get confused. And because our media is so stupid and irresponsible, they don't know how to message any of this to the American people. And so when you're a guy that's in there listening to Dr. Fauci the first time in February of 2020 that says masks are ineffective, and that's the only time that that guy accessed the news, you and I have talked about this before, that guy's not tuning back in. What, what did no. Dr. Fauci say today or tomorrow or the next day? Oh, God, I'm wearing a mask today. Now I'm not wearing a mask or Oh, God, when I'm sitting in a restaurant at a Chili's at an airport, I can be unmasked here because it's safe. But if I'm sitting in a plane next to someone, it's super duper unsafe. Like whether or not it's like the same people in the Chili's versus in the airplane. Like it's just it's all nonsense, man. And and it's hard to it's hard to tell the American people to take it seriously when you had every blue check lib account in November 2020 saying, I don't know, man, it seems like the vaccine's too quick. And then in January 2021 saying, 
oh my God, only the stupid Southern red hat Trump supporters are not getting the vaccine and they're just morons. Demographically, the two groups of people that uh, are the least vaccinated are black people and anybody with a PhD. Is that right? I thought it, mm-hmm. I thought I saw something that was like evangelicals or kind of hesitant nope. to blacks but... and doctors. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, with that, too, like those numbers change all the time and the messaging of that changes all the time. And you also see all these journalists playing these like, you know, uh, statistical shell games with the way that they like break all these numbers down. So in order to actually get good data on anything, you have to I mean, I try to figure out. How many, you know, because school masking is such like a huge issue where people are like, oh, God, we have to have like our five year old has to be vaccinated. And, you know, all my I'm a teacher and I'm like super unsafe. And like you see these posts on Twitter all the time. And you're like, oh, can you stop? Like, you're not you're not a hero. Like you're going to like teach at a school with children. Like, please relax. If you're vaccinated based upon everything that we've heard, you're probably fine. It's like, oh, my God. But if every kid isn't vaccinated, like, are you stop? But I try to go find those statistics, dude. It's impossible. It's like really, really, really hard to find some of these stats that are just nice and clean and broken out really well about how many actual child children get, you know, COVID. What are the symptoms? What are the hospitalizations? All these different things. It's it is not clean and not easy. And I think part of it is because they don't want it to be so clean and accessible because the actual risk of some of this is so, 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 so low relative to the actual actions that are taken which is to say that there are some things like if you're an old person and you're unvaccinated yeah like you should be very cautious and probably shouldn't be going to like a a counting crows concert but you know if you're a five-year-old you have virtually no chance of dying from covid and a very little chance of getting covid exactly and i don't care who gets covid i only care how many people die and only 300 children have died of covid in the last year and a half that's 300 out of 75 million there's right, seven right. million children in this country. Three hundred have died. I mean, that's that's statistically zero. I mean, that is that's yeah. nothing. That is the, statistically speaking, that is not a threat at all. I mean, it's 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 bizarre. It's so bizarre. And it, I mean, the the most bizarre part is that, and I I I, I think I've told you this too, Tyler. But like my I, I was uh, for my year in review episode every you know December thirty first ish, um, last show of the year. I. I we give like man of the year awards and, and, and all that. And then I do like my, I lead off the show with my mistake of the year. The thing that I predicted the the, the, the worst all year. And, and I said on the podcast last March that like, you know, American people wouldn't put up with this for more than a few weeks. And here we are a year and a half later. And people are, I mean, it's complete Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome, man. Like it's crazy. Like the entire left, the entire democratic party are they're, they want to be told what to do. They want to be told to stay home. It's disgusting. It's sick, you know, and it's like, I don't know, when you look at things like Australia, I mean, the only reason why cops are able to bar people inside of their homes and to, to, to shoot dogs and to, to beat children and pepper spray women and stuff is because, you know, 15 years ago, they confiscated all the guns. So, yeah, I mean, the fascists, you know, Nazis, which is I, I would consider uh, Australian government certainly fascist fascists. They always take the guns first. Um, I, this didn't happen. <laughs> you know, like, not, if somebody pepper sprays my wife for no reason, I mean, they're getting they're getting the AR. I mean, they're not you're not going to live through that. I don't care what happens to me. You're going to die. Um, so it's like that's the only reason why the left hasn't been able to shut us down this hard here, because we all have guns. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I hope people understand. I'm sure most people listening to this podcast understand the importance of owning firearms. But I mean, if you if you ever doubt 
whether or not to buy another gun or to buy another box of ammo, just Google what's happening right now in Australia. You also just have people, you have conservatives that are holding the line. Like you have, you have people like Ron DeSantis who said, you know, he saw images after the first two weeks. We need two weeks to slow the spread. Once we get that down, the goal of this is just so we don't overwhelm our hospitals. No one in this country has been denied a ventilator. Everyone's had one. We were told ad nauseum, oh my God, no, no one's going to have a, a ventilator. That people are asking Trump, oh my God, Trump, why haven't you authorized the the Wartime Powers Act to make all these American companies make ventilators? Because I haven't had to. American companies stepped up, 3M, Tesla, you know, all these different companies making masks, PPE, ventilators, all this kind of stuff. It, it happened. Period. End of story. And you had governors like Ron DeSantis who saw dude all by himself in the ocean paddleboarding, getting arrested by California police uh, police officers. It's unbelievable. And he was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And so they 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 did a week of this in Florida. And he was like, absolutely not. Like return. We're going to we're going to return to life as best of a normal as we can find it. And we're going to get kids back in schools because, I mean, there is a notable gap that teachers nationwide are showing for all these kids that went a year without education, essentially. I mean, it's these are the people that are building, you know, I I don't usually like to use this this kind of language, but I'm going to do it. Human capital is a real thing. And China gained on us not only in human capital last year, but in their GDP growth. And we lost a whole year. A year is a lifetime a lifetime in the life of a country. And so I, I'm glad that there was guys like Ron DeSantis and some of these other, these other governors that held the line and said, we're not, we're not giving an inch to you guys. We're not going to let you guys say that mask mandates for schools or all this crazy stuff. And, and I'm going to go so far as just to ban that because if I give you guys an inch, not only do you take a mile, but you destroy children's lives. You destroy the lives of businesses. I mean, I, I imagine, imagine being a guy who built a family business in New York city where you worked your entire life, and, you know, it's New York City. Like you have there's arbitrary things that happen all the time that make things more expensive, whether that's a tax on Uber that makes it more expensive for people to get to your restaurant or some sort of weird, you know, environmental or health protection measure that all of a sudden makes your business more complicated or some healthcare measure about your employees or the minimum wage and all this crap. You've braved all that. And then all of a sudden you're just told unilaterally you have to shut down. Period. End of story. And you lose everything. And you can't rebuild because it's it, because all of a sudden it's way too expensive, and your landlord has now said actually in order to come back and do this, we need all this down payment, all this kind of stuff. You have no capital, you have no money, and no one wants to lend you money because you can't because it's New York and it's not clear whether or not it's going to stay open and remain open. Your your life's gone. What, what what do you say to those people? And so conservatives, I'm glad that conservatives are holding the line nationwide and saying we're not giving an inch to you because. We need to figure out how to keep things open. And if we have to kind of ebb and flow to like protect, you know, our most vulnerable people, we will. But life is going to happen. Time is ticking away on everyone's lives. And we need to give people the ability to have fulfillment, to have joy, to have education, all these kind of things. Sitting inside just hoping that we can er eradicate like all evil. Let's just sit inside and wait for every number of diseases that could potentially harm us to like whatever, you know, to be completely eradicated. I mean, I get this as a pandemic, but we need to be more focused on the freedom and liberty aspect than we are focused on the actual protective measures. And I and I think that conservatives are holding the line. The thing is, the Democratic Party, it's clear now that they're going to uh, keep the pandemic going until 2024. Um, because if they can keep their people scared, they'll, they'll, they'll keep voting blue. Um, but the thing is, like, 
it, it's such a cult. It's such cult-like behavior at this point, and and the Democratic Party is so addicted to it. Let's say, you know, Republicans wipe the Democrats out next year in the midterms, which I think they will. And let's say Ron DeSantis is president, and, and you know, come January 2025, it, like the Democrats might even they'll they'll they might promote the next variant even harder in four years. You know what I mean? They might try to bring back the masks again and, and booster shots and try to like go back to play the greatest hits COVID wise to try to like rally their base against the next Republican president or something like that. Like I, I could honestly see, I, I could see, I can, I can see a situation where the Democrats try to keep COVID going for like a decade. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm completely serious. They might try to milk kick this dead horse for another decade. Legitimately. No, I mean, this, no, you're, I mean, you're not off base at all. I mean, think about how much it's done for them. Like, yeah. After I mean, it got the White House and Congress. Office. Yeah, after after Donald Trump was out of office, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC viewership plummeted. All of these people's identities, all of their stories, all of their business model was focused around Orange Man Bad. Uh-huh. How we have got to do everything to take him off. People were, people were watching and caring about their content. The minute that he's gone, the you know the quote unquote existential threat to our country is gone. It's over. Yeah. And people left and they needed something to put eyeballs back on their stuff. And this is the, this is what they've done. So you have dumb. I mean, the, the, you know, these people, you've met these people. They're idiots. If yeah. you spend any time in Washington, D.C., walk around, you'll meet somebody that they're more than happy to tell you that they're a reporter or they work in journalism or something. They're morons. They're the dumbest people on the planet the, yeah, who graduated the, in majors that make no sense. They can't the lowest, write. They can't the lowest think. common denominator. <laughs> Yeah, they can't think. They're not sophisticated people. They have no real world experience. And they look down their nose at people that are just the average person. They don't spend their time, you know, picking up whatever the New York Times bestseller or book are, you know, going down to like the local, you know, MoMA or whatever and, and seeing what the latest exhibit is like. They don't do that because they have other things that they're doing. They have other priorities and they look down their nose at these people, but they need their eyeballs and they need, and they, they need their clicks. And they're, they're just truly like irresponsible people who don't think for themselves. So when the White House regurgitates some weird number, they, like, they'll just run that number and be like, oh, my God, you should be scared. You should be scared. Rather than taking like a, a further analysis, taking an extra additional step that adults have to make to say, well, like, what's the real actual impact of this? Or like, what's the real kind of threat of this? You're only seeing people actually push back on the Biden administration just because they're trying to get their clues from like Kamala and some of the other folks in the DNC about whether or not it's time to make a move against Biden and if that's going to affect them in 2022. Like the minute that that happens, it might be a little more aggressive. But we're going to go back to patty cake, patty cake here in a second if they're like, no, 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 now's not the time. And we'll go back to like, oh, it's surging, but it's only surging because of the South or whatever. Like they're deeply irresponsible. And I, you know, I think that we need to be very, 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 very focused on how we analyze as conservatives the press content because it's really, 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 really dangerous. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think the only thing that could even possibly, I mean, these journalists, like you mentioned, they're not intelligent people. They're not very bright. They're not very thoughtful or interesting either. They're just unimpressive. I mean, they're just very unimpressive human beings. But, um, I mean, the only chance that we have to ever, like, shake them out of their ridiculous state that they're in would be like a... I mean, talking like a 1924 or 1984 style absolute wipeout electorally, you know, something like Ron DeSantis wins 43 states. 
or something. You know what I mean? Like it would have to be like yeah. some. And, and the Republicans have a 75 seat majority in the House and a seven seat majority in the Senate. Like some just absolute wipeout. And then maybe, maybe some of these some of these people in the media would be like, yeah, maybe we miss <laughs> maybe we miss something here. But one, one more point, and then I'll let you go, man. I know we're over time, but uh, look, obviously I'm a libertarian. I'm against these um these regime change wars, but looking at the protests and stuff coming out of Australia, it's like, I don't know, man, maybe we would be greeted as liberators for, for once. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, we got to just like start running AR 15s to Australia. I mean, these guys need something. I don't know about that, man, but <laughs> yeah, I think the people <laughs> of Australia, I think the people of Australia will figure it out. I, I think, I hope so, man. After, Oof. after a minute, I mean, it, the thing about this country that we have to be just super duper careful of is if you have a people that are more than willing to accept not only the premise, but just accept the information that are, that's coming from the government without any sort of oversight of any kind. The reason why the founders set it up this way is that there would be a free, free speaking people that could speak out for themselves against the government and have a lot of different ideas in the public square. Number one. Number two, having three different branches of government that not only checked each other, but one wasn't so powerful as it has become through the, you know, essentially like the executive branch of government is, is the unilateral executive with, you know, a, a pseudo, you know, congressional check. But it's not really a check if we're being honest right. um, anymore, at least, you know, based upon the way that, you know, the, that Bush used it and the way that Obama then used it. I mean, it's it, it is it is much, much, much more of uh, a power silo than it ever was supposed to be. Right. But it, and, and so I think that as conservatives, there's, there's two main things we got to check. Number one, we got to keep the public square open. You know, there's a lot of debate back and forth about like the Twitters and Facebooks that perch other ideas out of the public square. I mean, that, that is a real debate and is a debate that conservatives have to fight. And then secondly, figuring out how to pull back a lot of the power into Congress from the executive, I think is going to clear a lot of this up and then figuring out a way thirdly, to make sure that Congress people are average people and are not just these just random elites. I mean, it, just watch, you know, your listeners, if you do nothing, if you hear nothing from me, just find a way in like congressional disclosures and just copy Nancy Pelosi's trades. You're going to go up in the next three months, like 40 something percent. Oh, yeah. Literally since the pandemic started, I have copied her trades and I'm uh, my 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 portfolio is up thousands of dollars. Oh, and just, it's just play money. It's it's it's, yeah. it's play. I'm I'm telling you this, Brady. I play yeah. money, and I'm up thousands of dollars just by copying the trades. Like she'll she'll make a trade on a Wednesday, two weeks two weeks later, two months later, suddenly some company that you've never heard of that's publicly traded will go up forty something percent. I wonder. Oh, and you're like you look at that like hmm that's curious. Just copy the trades. Copy the trades. But we have to we, – uh, so, so that third point is we have to separate these people from actually being like the D.C. people that live in D.C. but actually like, you know, quote unquote represent some random district in California or New York City or wherever. And they actually have to be like the common man that is actually going to D.C. to serve constituents versus serving themselves. I'm not optimistic. I mean you're obviously right <laughs> about, about all that. But, but I'm like – I don't know, man. I I don't know if I had to slap a percentage on, on those things you just laid out coming to pass, um, at least in the near future, foreseeable future. I'd go about seven percent, six, five. Yeah, no, it's a, I everyone's got to everyone's got to work against their self interest for those things to happen, and I I'm not I'm not confident that those people will would would ever do that. No, no, no. 
No, no. Americans generally aren't good at working against their self-interest, but especially the the kind of uh, savory individuals we're talking about. Tyler, my brother, thanks for doing this again, man. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Uh, where can everybody follow you online and read your stuff and all that? I don't really tweet anymore, man. You, uh, we'll we'll be on the pod again and we'll we'll chat, <laughs> chat more down, down there. That's true. Yeah, you, you you're not on Twitter much anymore. Yeah, Pro- yeah you probably know. smart. Yeah, probably. We'll see. <laughs> thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Thank you.